Welcome to Ali and Passero, our new podcast that we're rolling out today where we talk about politics here in Oregon and also get a little bit of a national perspective. It's Alan Alley and Jim Passero, and today we're joined by our friend James Ball. James, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. James, you're you're new here. We are... New-ish. Uh, new-ish. You've been <laughs> listening in for quite a while. Um, you are a millennial, True. right? Yes. And hopefully we get you to provide a little bit of a different sort of flavor of things. Why don't you talk just a little bit about your background and, and then we'll get started. Sure. Well, currently I am the candidate for House District 36, the Republican candidate for House District 36. I've been involved in the Multnomah County Republican Party, the Oregon Republican Party for several years now. And I host my own podcast called The Rational Republican with my co-host Nick Perlosky. Uh, I spent eight years in the Army, three tours in Afghanistan, left in 2015, spent some time in corporate America, and now I own a small garage door business. Yeah, so uh, what's it like being a millennial Republican in Multnomah County? <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit rough. Uh, I feel like the minority most of the time. Yeah, I would imagine so. Now, House District 36, I think, is the House District that Jim ran in. Right in 1934, 96. was it 1947? 96. 96. And how did you do in that race, Jim? Uh, Alan, I didn't do as well as you did in your statewide races. <laughs> I see. <laughs> That's not saying much, Jim. So, didn't you outperform the Republican registration though? Uh, by about a point and a half. There you go. I, and, and I spent uh, a year living in the district, and I and I got, yeah. I outran Bob Dole by about a point and a half. Now, were you moved into that district? To... No, I born and raised there. So oh, you on were? top of that, oh, yeah, okay. we had we had like a thousand lawn signs and the Democratic machines. So they didn't even put up their signs until like I think three weeks before we had our signs up all everywhere. And then overnight they put theirs up and took ours down on Halloween. Their kids go the union. Oh. The union kids they they raise them early. Tough those kids on Halloween. Boy, you know, I, I, do you have signs up? up we don't have signs. No, the yeah. the registration has gotten even more democratic right. since 1996. Since I ran in the and district. So, um, yeah, it's 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 more just to give the voters a choice. You right. know, the, I'm the first Republican to run in this district, run for this seat since 2012. So it's just oh, I, I I Ouch. hate seeing vacant seats. And uh, how do you get your yeah. name out then? Uh, I'm running some Facebook ads right now. Mm. Um, a lot, just trying to stay active on social media. Uh, voters' pamphlet statement actually is huge. Now, we're Facebook friends, but I haven't seen your ad pop up on my Facebook page. I only started about a week ago. Okay. I was waiting until the very- Are you in the district? Yes. Okay. Yep. He's on, I already voted for him in the primary once. Thank there you. you. Go. But, I mean- <laughs> when You some... know, you talk about the lawn sign thing. Mm -hmm. Th this is the difference, because when I was a little kid, my mom was a Republican activist- uh, she had lawn signs and gave them to me to go hand them out to people. And I started out, I went to go put out the lawn signs, and I realized, well, geez, there's all these signs for the other guy. No. Why don't I just pull his signs out mm. and put our signs in? You could have worked for Ask Me. No, this was exactly <laughs> it. So I went around the neighborhood. I pulled out all of his signs. I put all of ours in, right? And oh, I was, God, I was like thug. eight or nine years old. And a I, little came, Republican I came home with all these signs. And <laughs> yeah. my mother said, you can't do that. Yeah. And she made me go back to every house, replace the sign, wow. go knock on the door. And apologize. And apologize yeah. for what I did. And what I didn't realize was she was teaching me a lesson. Yeah. But she was also showing the opponents the integrity of her candidate yeah. and that this little kid would come to the door and say, geez, I'm really sorry. You know, I, I, I did this terrible yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So a, that's different than the uh, than the kids that were that were paid to go pull out lawn signs, as you so alleged. Oh, not, they don't only pull them. They just they did brutalize them. Halloween is not what you think it is. It <laughs> is not. Halloween is not like kids out trick-or-treating. It is AFSCME thug, little AFSCME and SEIU thugs out there just pulverizing Democrat, Republican lawn signs. And collecting ballots. And, and collect and harvesting. Well, it's, yeah. the, it's the harvest season. There's a picture floating around the internet a while back of a Trump Pence sign in someone's yard where they had put a board full of nails underneath the Trump Pence sign. And so someone had swerved off the road to hit the sign and <laughs> no. ended up catching their tire. How many, no. how many Facebook friends do you have? Uh, 
1700. So when you buy a Facebook ad, what are you, what are you, what are you expecting? Just trying to get name ID. Is it going to pop up in all of your 1700 friends when they turn on their Facebook? So no, the way I set it up was a, uh, put a circle around the district and so it's a location based so okay. people that that live in so the district so yeah. when i go on my facebook feed yep and start looking that day your ad's going to pop up it may um my budget gives me in front of a certain number of people if i increase the budget it gets me in front of more people that's mm-hmm. how how facebook will show it to people is this what our show's going to be is teaching jim about the internet <laughs> <laughs> Jim, there is this thing that was invented by the government back in the '60s that connects Al Gore com- invented that it. connects computers, <laughs> and messages can be passed from computer no, to I, computer. So, are you confident then, if you if you were running, you bought Facebook ads that that, that you're going to get your value out of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's, it's really, sort of like lawn signs, yeah. but electronic. And I think <laughs> it's much higher. Um, like bang for your buck than lawn signs. God. Lawn signs, you kind of get the name, but you don't really get a message. Whereas with Facebook ads, I get yeah. a photo and then I get to type whatever I want. It's got the link to my website right there. So you so, dragged me up to Chambers Bay Golf Course in early August and we played it. No, no. Where did this come from? No, because we played it. And then for three weeks, I could not turn on my phone and Google anything without a Chambers at Bay. At Chambers Bay? Yeah. I mean, how... Oh, yeah. Why would they? Why would they, they do they are that? They know, super smart. Yeah, yeah. very smart. They know algorithms. your phone yep. went to Chambers Bay and stayed there for four hours. Right, and, and so and once you were tagged with that, they know you're interested. And, and so you ever, they sent me probably two hundred and fifty messages. If you ever open the ad, if you click on it, yeah. you will get everything related to that. You'll mm-hmm. get all the other golf courses in the region. You'll get you know. I don't know. I don't play golf, but <laughs> clubs and balls and it took me I don't like, know what else. It took, me like, it took me like two months to save the money for the green fees. That's I, I tried <laughs> to get my business partner to pay for them. And, and so it's like they, they could send me 300 ads, but I can't afford to go until, you know. That's exactly true. So what are millennials talking about in your district? What are the things that matter to them? Politically, getting yeah. Trump out of office. Is that pretty much that's, it? That's a lot of it, yeah. And so if you could run on a platform that you're going to help get Trump out of office, that would be an, a net ad for you. You haven't seen my ad. That's exactly what I'm doing. Is it? Yeah. I, I took a photo of my primary ballot where oh, I yeah. wrote my own name in instead of Trump for president. <laughs> okay. Do you? Well, there's a, there's a... That's what my ad is. There's a Republican legislator, uh, Sherry Helton Bend. Yep. And she is saying that Donald... She's running for re-election saying Donald Trump is unfit for office. Have you gone... So far as to say Donald Trump is unfit for office? No. Do you believe he is? We're I'm, I'm going undecided. to get back to that <laughs> in the next segment. This is Ali and Pacero. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero. And my partner, Jim Pacero, was just sinking the political career <laughs> of our favorite millennial, James Ball. James James Ball. Ball. Guy, yeah. So uh, go ahead, Jim. Here's the katana why don't you just whop his head off well i thought it was interesting alan because in in the um ben race where sherry held is is the incumbent and um i know her uh action pack my political action committee gave her a lot of money in 2018 really impressed with her she owns the two nicest restaurants in bend this is bueller's old seat this right? is bueller's yep. old seat and she owns the two nicest restaurants in bend and has over 100 employees and you know this is kind of a new idea in America, uh, compared to like past generation, but to actually, like in the Oregon legislature, to have somebody who's in charge of taxes and spending, who might have some employees and created some jobs. Sign the front of a check, as yeah, we say. Yeah. And so she was, was very impressive. And then the primary comes and she's in a district that's moving left fast and bend. And, and even though it's been held by Jason Conger first and then New Beeler. And she wanted kind of on a fluke because the Democratic candidate got in some kind of ethical problems and all of the, all of this. Like so, a sexual like harassment a, thing? Like a sexual harassment yeah, thing. Exactly. That, I hear that happens. Yeah. Sometimes. He was a lawyer who oh, got a sexual harassment. It does happen occasionally. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, at, at, when the primaries are over, she only got 5,400 votes and her Democratic challenger in the primary got 10,000. That's this year. This year. Right. And you only need like, nine or ten thousand to win so if you if you're sitting there and you're, and you're challenging an incumbent you get ten thousand votes it kind of feels like it's over so in june and she's been advised by dan levy who advised new bueller and also dan levy who came out 
and said he's voting for Joe Biden and has left the Republican Party. So he's been he's advising her. And so she comes out in June and says uh, uh, Donald Trump's unfit for office. And she does it a couple times really loud. And she's driving around in this Volkswagen and Ben said with one side moderate, the other side independent, you know, anything. But I'm not a Republican. And what's what I thought is so curious about that and ask James about it is. I don't think you can chase moderate Republicans. They're not around anymore, are they? I mean, are you going to find, are you really going to find in this era, you know, that somehow you're going to get independents and others to go, Oh, I want that Republican. Well, I'd like to hear I think so. I think so. Especially How? so out in, out in my district. I think you, you go the, the fiscal conservative route. And this is what I did when I was knocking doors before COVID. I talked to a lot of Democrats who, we're fed up with the taxes that is, are getting levied on them. And this is a, a relatively affluent area. And this one guy was talking, he's like, I pay $30,000 a year in property taxes. I know property taxes are mostly a city thing, but yeah. regardless, he's like, I keep my taxes keep going up. My services keep going down. The, the Pearl District looks like the surface of the moon with all the potholes out there. He's like, what is my money going toward? But they can't f- bring themselves to vote Republican because of Donald Trump because of some of the other stances that our that our party takes. And so I think there is a moderate angle, but I think it's the moderates on the Democrat side rather than the moderates on the on the Republican think, side. Yeah, well, this is, goes back into Allen's theory though. Do you think <laughs> yeah. explain this theory? I mean, well, Democrats the, always say we want you we want you to be like Tom McCall. It's the Republicans do a really good job of making Democrats feel good about not voting for us. Yeah. So it, it and people said this to me about Bueller all the time. It's I'd ask them, liberal Democrats, downtown Portland, smart people say, hey, what do you think about my friend Newt Bueller? I like him. Do you really like him? Yes, I like his policy on this and this. And, you know, we've been a one party state for so long and it would be nice to have somebody that's smart and Rhodes Scholar and have him in office. And I've I've met him. I've talked to him. He was at my club. Da, 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 da. Are you going to vote for him? No, 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 no. I'm not going to vote for him. What are you crazy? No, no. He's a Republican. I'm not going to vote for him. But if he was governor, it would be okay. And the problem is we have to get them from that to pulling the lever in Oregon, coloring in the box, right? And in order to do that, I think there's something along the lines of, look, you might not like me, but you need me, Mm -hmm. right? You need somebody, and you need somebody with an R next to their name, because once you put the D next to your name, the gravitational forces of the Democratic Party, mostly the labor unions, are going to force you to take positions and to moderate positions that you can't actually solve the problems. Yeah. Well, this is one of the reasons that I'm going so so far into down the anti-Trump angle as a Republican is to kind of test this hypothesis because Bueller was running statewide. He was assassinated by the left. I'm in such a left-leaning district that nobody's paying attention. So if I do a little bit of Facebook ads and then the voters pamphlet statement and actually make the case for good governance, but hey, I'm not a crazy Republican. I have had three, soon to be four chances to vote for Trump on the 2016 primary, 2016 general, and 2020 primary, and have voted for him zero times. So, you know, I'm I'm pro-choice, I'm pro-liberty, I'm for limited government, for good governance. So the other side of this coin then is the Democrats will say, nice guy, like it, good. One, he's almost a Democrat, so why don't I just vote for the Democrat? Or two, he he still puts on the red jersey. So underneath all this stuff, all this nice veneer, you know, the kind of scruffy beard and the kind of cute guy who was in Afghanistan, they scratched it out. You're a Republican and you just won't admit it. And yeah. Go on. I didn't no, that's, that's. Yeah. And I build on that by saying. The other thing that comes out, I agree with everything Alan said, and, and on top of that is the idea through all of this noise and this huge Trump sun, you know, bright thing, you th- you're attempting to individually market yourself and 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 get that get that idea of who you are uh, out there in comparison to Trump. Well, this is the problem that I used to talk about when I was chairman of the Republican Party. Here is it was like having a McDonald's franchise in Oregon because the national brand is mm-hmm. so strong. It's the golden arches. It's red and yellow. Yeah. It's Ronald McDonald. It's all yeah. those things that Oregon just hates, yeah. right? They like hamburgers. Mm-hmm. They like Burgerville. 
and we're serving great hamburgers. They just happen to be hamburgers under the the auspices yeah. of the national brand, which made it difficult to break through. And crafting that that Oregon Republican brand yes. is is very challenging. We, we both done it. And, and I want to hear what you want to say, James, on, on this. But I remember in 96, and this, is, this really made an impression on me, was I knocked on thousands and thousands of doors in a neighborhood I grew up. And, and I'd been in DC for 10 or 11 years, worked on a, you know, on a presidential campaign, had good credentials to run for state rep. And I think I had a lot of people. They were, it was a democratic district. I think I had a lot of people at the door that if they had been forced to vote that at that moment, they would have said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a Democrat, but I, he's, he's right. And I'm going to, I like him and I'm going to vote for him. But what would happen is I, I had them on October 10th and then they'd see, Two weeks of Newt Gingrich, how much, how horrible they hated Newt Gingrich. That was the Newt Gingrich year, uh, versus Bill Clinton. And they, and then when they got the chance to vote the ballot, they just went D. When we get back, we'll dive into that more. This is Ali and Pacero. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same day service and all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. This is Ali and Pacero. We've just spent three minutes setting up James about why he can't win and <laughs> young, being a Republican is such a hard hubris. thing and all of us old guys we've tried really really hard and we screwed <laughs> it up right. so James well, tell us why we're it's, wrong it's and, two things. and you can market yourself individually from Donald Trump two, uh, two things first of all it's a it's a proof of concept it's to see if this works I, I think again Bueller running in statewide with so much just else going on with brown and with all the ads and all that stuff i think that he i, I mean i was talking to my democratic friends and they were talking about abortion i was like yeah so bueller was pro-choice he said i had no idea no way i was like i he ran 20 million dollars of ads <laughs> saying this like how did you not um whereas you know I, i'm in a smaller district there's fewer people the plan when i first started this was to knock every door in the district obviously covid put a, a damper on that but the other thing I was going to say is this is where it starts. You know, if we want to rebrand the Republican Party, which is kind of what I want to do, you can't just show up at the RNC and start rebranding things. You have to start at the county level, the state level, and then hopefully you get a big enough coalition to go make changes. This is the only way to do it. So, yeah, I, I think um, that's absolutely true. If you look at an example recently where we got through a statewide election was Dennis Richardson. And Dennis Richardson was absolutely pro-life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> been he's You can cut him in half and he's pro-life all the way through. Um, Dennis Richardson is a traditional conservative Republican. And there was something about he didn't try to avoid saying that, right? It's mm -hmm. like, look. I'm a Republican. I'm pro-life. I've always been pro-life. But I'm going to be the Secretary of State for everybody in this state. And the, the person that he ran against was so highly, highly partisan that it gave people enough air cover to say, you know, maybe we'll try something different this time, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, unfortunately, Dennis passed away, but boy... I think he did a great job. I think he ran that office as a fair-minded but conservative executor of that office. He did some audits and uncovered some things. And we didn't have time for all those audits to get through the system and to really get highlighted. And I don't think the media really picked up on them either and, and right. picked up the sword. It was really? sort of like it was sort of like a a, a preview in a of what could be yeah. mm -hmm. in in a healthy government, you know. And he and he and he interviewed and he introduced that preview in such a, a nonpartisan way, but yet but yet at the same time, like you said, conservative and critical of what was going on. Nonpartisan, but Dennis also had a, a 
a joy about him and an optimism about him and a positivity about him and his message and about Oregon that that people just kind of felt, hey, you know, this could be okay. And then when he was in office, he ran it right down the middle. When he did the audit of the mail-in ballots, I mean, this is a very conservative Republican audits our mail-in ballot system, comes back and says, you know what? Not the kind of fraud that you would expect. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe a few votes here or there. We uncovered it. We're putting things in place to make it better. But uh, a a real good view of of sort of what a Republican in Oregon uh, could be. Yeah, and James, I I would challenge you to this extent because um, you're, you know, you're a millennial and we as, I mean, you basically, if you're, if you're a Republican in Oregon, it's kind of like uh, you're kind of like a Scarlett O'Hara after the Civil War. I mean, you, you, you're just you're just open to rebuilding. I mean, there's no you know there's there's nobody really in your way if you can figure out a way to to rebuild. And I I don't well you need new voters mm-hmm. and a new direction. And so by just saying uh, we're going to find moderate Republicans. I, I, it may be a while before we find moderate Democrats or moderate Republicans. Well, you know, we've talked about this statewide. It's 90, 60, 15. You need 90 percent of the Republicans, 60 percent of the independents and 15 percent of the Democrats. The Democrats need 90 percent of the Democrats split right. the independents and zero Republicans. We're a blue state. So the Democrats can run highly partisan very focused mm-hmm. uh, elections and run the state in a highly partisan way. Mm-hmm. Republicans, by definition, can't. Mm-hmm. You have to get 15% of the Democrats to vote for you. And to get reelected, you'd better run the state in a manner in which 15% of the Democrats will vote for you the next time. And I think that's what Dennis Richardson showed. I think he would have been reelected okay, as so, Secretary of State, so especially against somebody like Shamia Fagan, okay. who is... Uh, Highly partisan, hyper partisan, yeah. yep. owned by the t- the uh, government employee union. So you're not uh, crazy about Donald Trump, but what? But where are you as a more moderate Republican on timber unity and some of the populist movement and messages that are coming out of their Facebook pages? Whether it's Angelita Sanchez or Julie Parrish or others, I mean that stuff is is right in the face of the governor right now. Well, yeah, I'm a big supporter of timber unity. Mm-hmm. I've you know spoken on their pa- Facebook page a couple of times. Um, you know, I live in downtown Portland. It doesn't, a lot of it doesn't really affect me directly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the smoke this last few weeks definitely did and definitely, you know, support the rural communities and, you know, it, it, but mostly my experience has been not tangential, but, but secondhand, you know, I have friends, my friend, my family lives in Southern Oregon. And so they see the economic impact of the spotted owl thing from from the Clinton administration, which right. just stopped, not stopped, but significantly cut back. 200, the, 200 mills uh, closed, and we went from right. timber being 12% of the state's economy to 2%. Yeah, exactly. And so those other 10% basically mm-hmm. didn't have a whole lot to do. I mean, there's huge drug problems, there's unemployment problems. Uh, now there are whole towns that have burned the to the whole ground. Towns, yeah, exactly. So definitely sympathetic to that plight it just i don't you know i live in i live in the middle of the city so see i find that's one of our roles as urban republicans is to be a voice for uh rural republicans yeah and we live in an area and talk to people where they don't live and we can we can show them issues and advocate for them in ways that they can't and One of the things I ran into when I worked in the governor's office was if I could advocate for something where I had no no personal interest at all, and in fact, you couldn't even infer a personal interest, my position was dramatically increased and heightened and taken with more credibility. So when I endorsed and helped people um, in the Cattlemen's Association, People would go, why is this tech guy? And I'd say, because they have really, really good reasons, and you should listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And cons- the flip side of that was when the Cattlemen's Association said, hey, we support Alan and his tech community, people would go, wow, there must be something going on there. We'll get back, continue the discussion. This is Ali and Pacero. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero. 
James Ball, you had something you wanted to say. <laughs> I was just going to comment on the uh, the fires and the smoke that has been ravaging Portland for the last couple of weeks, near apocalyptic level of air quality here in the in the Portland metro area. And I think this is the first time that poor forest management has really affected the people of Portland. And I think this is an interesting opportunity for us as Republicans to kind of go and and advocate for those causes and say, hey. This is important. We can't just leave the forests to do their own thing. They need to be actively managed. And so Kate Brown and the left is then pointing to climate change as the cause of this. And well, climate change, even if it's part of it, is not the whole picture. And also, there's nothing here in Oregon we can really do about it. You know, we have 0.3% of the carbon emissions of the world. In order to do something about climate change, we need to get the entire world to cooperate. Whereas forest management, we can do ourselves. Okay. Well, and the thing that drove me crazy about this is when the fires first started, trying to engage people in downtown Portland to talk about it as an issue was nearly impossible. They wanted to talk about Donald Trump said something stupid here or, you know, mm. whatever, right? And it wasn't until the the smoke consisting of particles of people's homes and their cattle and their horses, and their cars, and their businesses. That was the particles in the smoke from rural Oregon descending upon Portland, where they woke up and went, <coughs> oh, something horrible is happening to us. Mm-hmm. Not, not to the people who lost their homes, not to the people that lost their cattle, not to the people that lost their horses, not to the people that lost their communities, and it may never came back. It was... <coughs> Oh my goodness, my my air quality is is so high without making that connection. Yeah. And we are, we have to be custodians of this. I put mm-hmm. up a whole video about how the fires started and migrated over the 31 days. And you can see the fires back in the middle of August and they're tiny tiny little embers. These are uh, infrared satellite photographs. We don't have a policy that jumps on that stuff early. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what our policy is. As And then people are pointing, oh, it was on state land. No, it was on federal land. No, it was on private land. Well, we can't touch the private land. We can't touch the state land. Well, we can't go onto the federal mm-hmm. land. It's like, no, governor, this is this is our problem as a community. We're made up of this checkerboard of federal, state, and private land. We need policies that... Yes, protect the environment. Yes, protect the trees, but also allow us to harvest the greenest building product ever known to humankind and protect our people. Okay, so, so, and I agree with all that. So, I want to get your take on this, James, because, especially as a millennial, because climate change is the religion in the schools. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to find anybody under 35 who's supporting Donald Trump. Some some people say to me, yes, you can, but not that it has to be in rural in rural America. So the president, in all of his great theater, goes to California to uh, discuss the fires, and he sits down. And this played over and over and over again on MSNBC. He sits down with the three members, uh, sort of yuppie members of Newsom's cabinet, and they're wearing their mask, and they're you know they're in the weenie <laughs> club, and 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 they go, and the one guy's going to tell him that. Just begging almost in this youthful, bureaucratic, earnest way that, that you can't, you've got to consider climate change as well as forest management when you talk about this. You have to consider both. Please, Mr. President, consider both. And you could, and the, and the president just sort of cocked his head and got his towel out, ready to snap <laughs> the guy in the butt and the shower. And he said, Hey, buddy, the planet's cooling. And he's like, What? He goes, It's cooling. Don't worry. It's cooling. And so then, after that moment, um, the, 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 the earnest bureaucrat went back and said, but you gotta look at science. You gotta, go, please, Mr. President, look at science. And, and the president just kind of cocked his head again, snapped the towel and said, eh, science isn't what it's cracked up to be. What, <laughs> what, what's your reaction to that? Is he, you know, is, is he helpful or harmful in getting us to focus on what, well, you know, the I- mismanagement? of the federal forest in Oregon, which happened to be 25% of the state. I think there was something about 78% of Americans believe in climate change now. Like if, if we as the Republican Party continue fighting against climate mm-hmm. change, calling it a hoax, whatever, whatever, 
we are going to lose voters. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I believe in climate change. I think that it is definitely a policy, but we that we should be focusing on. But it doesn't need to be the bureaucratic mess that the Democratic Party always wants it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something we were talking about on my la- my other podcast is the, the forest management thing. You know, we took 12 percent. The timber industry was 12 percent of the economy right. down to 2 percent. We haven't stopped using wood. Yeah, Where's that right. wood come from? You're right. It comes from British Columbia. We right, drive right. it down on trucks. You're right. You're what do you think right. is the is the carbon footprint of driving down a whole bunch of lumber from Canada? Right. Okay. It, when I was when I was running, I would we'd talk about climate change. In fact, I did that debate in front of the Sierra Club, and I, I'd say, look, I believe that digging black stuff out of the ground and combusting it in the atmosphere is crude. In fact, it's so crude, I'm kind of embarrassed to be a mechanical engineer and say that that's the best solution we could come up with. I'm embarrassed that driving around in a car, 96% of the energy moves the car and 4% of the energy moves me. It's grossly, grossly inefficient, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to do things. It's a wonderful engineering challenge to do things to make a more efficient system. I'm a conservative. Conservative means conserve, right? So absolutely, I'm on with you. And oh, by the way, um, I'm on a board with some people from General Motors and Ford. Um, they were talking just yesterday that they're not doing internal combustion engine development anymore. That whole thing is over. Internal combustion engines used for transportation, for personal transportation, is done. And they're just not doing any work there anymore. We, but I'd say that, and then I'd get climate denier, yep. right? You don't believe. And it's like, no, look, we're working to the same goal. Now, you believe that the earth is going to end in 10 years. I don't believe that, right? But I believe in the things that you want to do that we should we should work together to do those. But yet you get branded climate denier. We care so much about locally sourced food, locally sourced farm to table. Why not locally sourced lumber? Why do we insist on shipping it in from a different state when we've got 25% of the, of the state is this re- beautiful renewable resource that grows out of Oregon, the ground? Oregon lumber. Oregon exactly. lumber. Do you think these fires change anybody's mind? No. No, <laughs> and it could because Kate Brown is going to just point at climate change, and they're going to keep pushing the same agenda of we need to push cap and trade and all these other extremely restrictive bureaucratic. So when your Facebook ad pops up on on a voter's uh, Facebook page, and they're a Democrat, they say, "Oh, he's got a different position than the they president." They say or- something <laughs> we're going to hear at the, after the break. This is Ali and Pacero. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero. Jimmy! You were just handing the katana back to James Ball. Well, I just, I, yeah, we, back to where we started. Yeah. yeah, and you, and you marketing yourself individually from the president. Yeah. I, I, so I just when you the idea that when your Facebook ad pops up and you say, "Hey, we need to do, you know, this and this and this," and we have to accept that climate change is is real, there are they going to see that, or are they just going to see that you're Republican? Well, I guess we'll find out mm-hmm. on November fourth. Uh, but that's kind of the hope. That's the hope is that there are, I mean, we'll, I guess we'll see, but the hope is that there is this cadre of moderate Democrats who've been voting Democrat who see the nonsense going on in front of the Justice Center. They see the Columbia River crossing bridge to nowhere. They see cover Oregon, the half a billion dollars that we wasted. They see the continual mismanagement. They see the, the unemployment debacle where people like we can't even manage that system properly because we can't be bothered to upgrade our computer systems. I mean, this, this state is being mismanaged top to bottom and the Democrats have no one to blame but themselves. And so my hope is that they see that and they say, well, I don't really like Donald Trump. I don't really like the Republican stance on abortion. I don't really like their stance on climate change. But, oh, here's this Republican who is pro-choice, who believes in climate change, who wants to to govern well and is a proponent of good governance. 
uh, maybe I'll, I'll throw him a vote. See, I've also had this theory here in Oregon. Again, when I was a little guy, my mom took me into the voting booth with her and closed the, the curtain and said, Alan, there's one lever, that one right there. That's the Republican lever. <laughs> and all you have to do is reach up and pull that one lever. And all these other little levers went click, 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 click. And they well, all the Republicans were voted for. And she said, that's all you have to know. That's all you have to do. Well, the curtain opened and I walked out. There are a certain percentage of people for whom that is true on both Wait, sides. But, but here's the difference in Oregon. There is no lever, yeah. mm. right? So you check. But there were, there, there, that was not – most most states did not have this Illinois special lever. Oh, we had this <laughs> lever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it most was states great. did not. So, but here, you, you, they're going to color in Joe Biden, Jeff Merkley, you know, Congress, maybe, uh, oh, what, uh, Schrader, yeah, Blumenauer, whatever. And then they get down and it's like, you know, it would be nice to go to a cocktail party and say, I'm bipartisan mm-hmm. because I voted for that James fellow, that, that nice, <laughs> that nice James fellow. He, of course, isn't going to win. <laughs> ha ha ha. Right. But I can vote for him and I can say, I'm bipartisan. Yeah. And I, I, so I think it happened in my treasurer's race mm. because in, in 2008, I did really well in Multnomah County. I got more votes in Multnomah County than any Republican since Ronald Reagan. And I think it was because, oh, that little Republican fellow, he seems to know something about treasury and numbers and things. And he can't really hurt anything as treasurer. And I can vote for him and feel bipartisan, right? One of the problems, though, is I am running against a physician in the COVID era. So... I <laughs> she is actually a very qualified candidate. Well, I think so you're not endorsing her. <laughs> no, I think, no, of course I not. think you need to turn that around because <laughs> so far from the president say seen, that he'd be snapping his talent. <laughs> what I've seen from from people who are the experts in COVID, yeah. I'm not very impressed right yeah. now. That's for sure. Well, she is the Democrats Democrat and will vote party line. I mean, that's that's who she is. But she she wasn't the choice in their primary, though. No, she was not the union choice. Right. The union choice was Lori Wimmert, who lost the primary to my current opponent. Yeah. So the machine. The machine failed this one. Somebody. You know what sabotage came from? Sabotage? No. Uh, A sabot is a wooden shoe. And somebody would stick a wooden shoe into the machinery, and it was called sabotage, as in wrecking the machines. So whenever something like that happens, I think of that. Wasn't that interesting? No, it wasn't interesting at all. <laughs> no, actually, I was sabotage. I was tracking. Um, See, I'd, I'd get a couple of votes in Multnomah County so, for knowing that, though. So the big... Yeah. Um, Multicultural. The big story of the, of, of the week was the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And one of the things that is interesting is how this is going to affect the last six weeks of the presidential campaign. And immediately these Republican senators, the Susan Collinses and the Lisa Murkowskis and, uh, and Mitt, Mitt Romney and maybe even Lindsey Graham, that they, they, the press immediately dug up their quotes that said, you shouldn't ha- nominate somebody for the Supreme Court too close to a presidential election. Even Mitch McConnell's right. statement from 2016. Right. Yeah. Well, so McConnell has has said if it's the same party, yes. If it's a different party, no. That was the that was his because basis. the Republicans cro- controlled the Senate and and, and, the, and the and the Democrats controlled the White House. Right. So that's when he said no, there's an election coming to sort this and thing let out. The, let the I'm the people created this distinction the the voters created a republican senate and a democratic president now the voters have created a republican senate and a republican president and so the voters have spoken in his mind and i think he's going to bring somebody forward um absolutely i am here's my take on it which is you know donald trump has dragged us republicans whether we want to or not, into the Alamo strategy. You know, I, you know, we're going down with our boots on. We are going to fire and fire, you know, little battle, little bighorn, whatever it is. That is what we're doing. And, and it, because we're doing such a high risk strategy, 
I, you know, I want that vote. I want that because we might not, we might not win this strategy. He's seven points down and he's saying the climate's cooling. We, there's a chance we won't win. And, and so therefore I want six conservatives on the, on the court before that presidential election. I mean, well, I, I, and I, you know, I'm not going to let, and I'm, I'm not going to let any of them squish. What, you know, and I'm and I'm kind of Mr. Squish. What the Democrats have then threatened to do is then get rid of the one if they win the Senate is mm-hmm. get rid of the filibuster and then add two or four more justices so that they can then have a majority. So well, you're how gonna do have you, a fourteen how you, member. How do you add two or four more just? Can you just do that no. by you keep by, no, by congressionally so, passing a law that so I, I actually they've got a hundred twelve hundred twelve hundred dollars more in stimulus for you and three more Supreme so Court you justices. Can't, you can't do that. You can pass a law. Can you? That changes the number of justices. But, and uh, it was Roosevelt who got uh, with his he wanted to increase. 13 and or something. He had yeah, a nine very clever way of doing it. He yeah. said for every justice that's over 70 years and three months or something mm-hmm. that you get to name another one. Right. So if you had a bunch of young ones, they you, you wouldn't get to be able to name them. But there were three or four that were 70 years plus and that he could name justices if they were that age it did not pass even in right. a democratically controlled legislature and he lost a bunch of seats in in 1938 because of it we're going to get back to that and more on ali and Pacero. welcome back to ali and Pacero. we're talking about stacking the court and it turns out in fact congress can there's nothing in the constitution that says there's going to be a certain number of justices. There have been more and there have been less over time. When? When, when were there oh, more than nine? 1860 something. There were more than nine any time? Yeah, there were 10. There were 10. Between ten. five and 10. Yeah, I looked this up too. Yeah. There were between five and 10 between 1776 and 1869. And 1869 is when they settled on nine. Yeah. So right. what? Now, we can't just add states. Like, say the Republicans lose <laughs> everything. They can't just by, by 50. Well, the, the vice president shows up and there's the 50th vote. And Puerto Rico is a new state. Well, I think What's the, the, di- the reason it didn't pass with Roosevelt is this is the nuclear option, right? right? This is this is beyond hyperpartisan politics. This is like mm-hmm. overthrow the government kind but of we, thing. But they can't just add new states, can they? New states? Yeah, new states. So the justices don't, don't match you, with the. I don't. No, yeah. I get that. No. I get oh, yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just asking. You know, what is the procedure to add? I a think new you state? have to have a. a, a the states ratify the states it. Ratify it. Yeah, yeah, so that so the red states would have a voice in this and right. Could block but you it. don't have the, the Supreme Court's different. Different. Oh wow! Right. So based on that, what would what where are you are you ram it through then? Yes. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. So, but no, yeah, it, it's to so ram it's, it through. You have the potential of you lose the presidency, you lose the Senate, and then they they go with this nuclear option right. of adding four more justices, and now you've got, you know, and then the new Congress, oh. when you get it back again, can take away the four new justices. Oh, or, wow. or add four more, or add four until more. we've got a you know 120 right. person. So you can Supreme yo-yo court. it back and forth. Oh you could, God, you can do anything. This is where the we're precedent, at. yeah, you the could precedent. Do, you can take not. it down to three. You can say anybody God. that's over a certain age. You can, <laughs> you, they can do anything they want. Does, does Does he need to appoint a woman? I mean, is that would if you were advising him right now? So I've I've thought about this, and I've thought about. Well, what if he appoints somebody that, you know, has more moderate credentials? Oh, that won't work. Right. And well, Kavanaugh's pretty fairly moderate, wasn't he? Has, I don't know, he but been... I mean I mean like overtly like, so, like so, Merritt Garland. Yeah. So what if he picked Merritt Garland? <laughs> right? right. The, the Democrats <laughs> would have to approve that one. Right? He won't. He's no, no he's got a No, and, and this is where I've said, look, politics has consequences. Elections have consequences. Right. Pick whoever you want. Pick the most conservative. Well, pick the one that's going to reflect your values. Pick one that's like 18 years old. Somebody. <laughs> well, I mean, you saw. I mean, it, right. you're, you're an L1 when student he, at, right. at Cornell. You, All right, you're right. in. When he was being lectured by that California cabinet member about climate change in California, you you just knew the look on his face, and he 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 got almost gleeful. Because he's like, I'm gonna just snap this little boy's butt, and and what was interesting about it was it really showed it explained a lot of his presidency. I mean, that is just his instinct. Yeah. I mean, you're not you're never gonna push him into being more moderate. I mean, we've seen this for four years. He's he is ne- he never walks through that door. No, the closest he does is he shuts up for about a week, yeah. but he never walks through those. No, but so his statement on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Right. 
was very I saw presidential, it. right? Very moderate. He, did, he didn't write it. He didn't write it. Somebody. Well, well. <laughs> you, you squishy downtown Portland Republicans. He didn't write it. You didn't build it. No, but but the, so I'm I'm always accused of being a Trump apologist. But when he says it's cooling, if you go back in time. Was there a time in the Earth's history that's warmer than it is today? Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So, relative to that point in time, is or the cooler. Earth warming or cooling? Yeah. It's cooling. Okay. Yeah. The, the only thing, you, <laughs> no, the only thing questionable about this political strategy <laughs> is that we have only won the popular vote one time out of the seven last seven presidential elections. And Republicans say to me, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say stuff like that. It's like, well, that's kind of true, but don't say it. And so, and, and on top of that, nobody, all the young people have been brainwashed that the climate is going to, you know, is die, you know, we're going to, by 2040, we're going to be gone. It's the number one issue in the schools. So if you need new voters and you can't get young people, it makes the political strategy of going with the cooling theory a little problematic. Well, so, I I mean, if he was, if he was a, more um less alamo guy maybe less alamo guy but but the whole point that he was making is you can pick a point in time that was much warmer than it is today compared okay. to today it's there for cooling okay so you're well, at, you're, at, you're yeah. at one of your cocktail parties mm-hmm. with your millennials campaigning no, that won't work in COVID 19 <laughs> and you say hey no, hey i'm a republican hey, but guess cooling. what no it won't work no that doesn't work well, I was going to make a point back to the uh, the Supreme Court thing. Here's here's what I would do if I was if I was Trump. Um, and so here's some some free advice for the president who definitely listens to this <laughs> to right listen. now. Uh, the president that you won't endorse and haven't <laughs> voted for. You want some, some didn't free quite advice? Say, didn't quite say he was unfit for office. Like no, Sherry he didn't. Held. Some some free advice here. I would call Chuck Schumer into the office and I would say, "Here's the deal. I could just shove this through. We could get a sixth re- conservative." justice on there we have the senate we have the presidency i could do that what i'm going to do is i'm going to wait till after the election and here's what you're going to do for me you are going to here's my list of 45 people you are going to approve anyone i pick after the election and hedging his bets so assuming trump wins assuming trump wins and he loses the senate now he gets to pick whoever he wants you make it public and so if if schumer reneges then if he loses well, if he loses, it doesn't matter anyway. No, it but well, but well, you no don't way. have you don't have the Democrats shoving four more justices every, into the court. Every yeah. conservative based voter mentions Donald Trump, you know, filling the court seats as their number one reason it, it to vo- of, of voting for him. Well, then and, it encourages fact, them to vote for him in in it, November. Well, because well, they're already going to vote for him, but they're but they're going to but this they want. In fact, True. filling the seat and losing the election isn't the worst they, outcome. They, they could live with that. Right. Yes. It, it is. is it is. If the Democrats add four more seats, if the Democrats add four more seats to the, to they're the, gonna ju- worry to the bench, about that. they will. I think they're going to worry about that when it happens. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and also it's, it's, it's one thing to say you're going to do that and they may do that, but boy, you know, there's time in 150 years. Yeah. See, seats to the, yeah. The other thing that, that this all reminds me of, and I go back to when the Democrats are calling for Trump to, be magnetic, you know, don't don't pull the trigger, don't you know, whatever, right? It's like you impeached he him. You impeached him, yeah. exactly. Right. You impeached him along pure party lines, and the charges were really, really, really difficult to kind of get your arms around. And about. you were guilty of the charges more than he was. If, if it was impeachable. Yeah. Right? And you impeached him. I I I can't imagine, and and it's Donald Trump. I can't imagine what that means to Donald Trump, and how angry and how much of a grudge he would carry if if that had happened. It did happen, and so getting any kind of concession out of a guy like this is just—it's not going to happen. This is Ali and Pacero. We'll be back after a break. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 
or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Welcome back to Allie and Pissero, Jim Pissero, Alan Allie and James Ball, who listens to... <laughs> Left wing. No, this is oh, they're, they're, they're what pretty. Was, they're, what was the podcast? So I was listening to the on the on the drive down here. I was listening to the five thirty eight podcast. Nate that, Silver. Nate Silver. Yeah, right. and they they have an emergency podcast, quote unquote, when whenever something extraordinary happens. And so they had one for for Ginsburg's passing, and it struck me. It's like a twenty five minute episode, and it took like to, until the very end for them to mention the word abortion, oh. and. Like as a as a conservative as a Republican, that's the entire reason for this is, is abortion is is Roe v. Wade is trying to get conservatives on the bench to try to have more favorable uh, pro life stance. Well, that's not the entire reason reason you know, we want a conservative court. Well, sure, but yeah. it's it's I would say for a lot of a lot of conservatives, a lot of evangelicals, that is, yeah, number one, two, and three on their list. One of my. Uh, liberal friends had a very interesting take he said look ruth bader ginsburg great gal did a lot of good things he said but but her um inability to step down at a time when we had a clear path to just name her replacement is really going to hurt and Mm -hmm. her hubris Mm -hmm. i think was the word that he used um now, if you think back, they pretty much so she should have quit like 2016. Yeah, early enough that that, that Obama had a clear run to, to name somebody and get right. them approved. Now, everybody thought Hillary was going to win, mm-hmm. right? And if Hillary had won, even if there was a Republican Senate, if if Ginsburg had then resigned early in her Hillary's yeah. first term, they would have pushed somebody through. You can't stall for four years. No, yeah. but but. It was a she really, tried. It was a really interesting take, mm-hmm. and one that I haven't heard. And I'm sure he, if I look back, he's going to get blistered by his Democratic friends. But a a really interesting take that, and I don't know why she wouldn't. You know that she's set for life. She could lecture. She's always going to be revered, right? It just they would have had a younger person on the court. Oh, I just finished uh, Sandra Day O'Connor's. Uh, biography written by uh i want to say evan thomas and in the book she has to she gets appointed in 1981 by by in july by reagan and she steps down in 2002 and she stepped down because her husband had dementia at badly and she wanted to take care of him and i think she became the president of william william and mary after that while she was taking care of him but in the book she took she regrets it you know that the, the stepping down, the stepping down. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That, that, you know, so she served twenty-one years, but but you know, and she wanted, and family came first, but she but she never felt quite herself af- after that because she felt like she stepped down eight or ten years too. Do early. you know how old she was when she stepped down? Yes, it was. She's like ninety now. She's still alive. I oh, think. yeah, oh, it's okay. like guess seventy. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ginsburg is, was eighty-eight, mm-hmm. so she was eighty-four. At you know when when Trump was elected and and she was st- she still had like she had cancer at the time i mean she knew that right. she was colon cancer in 1999 pancreatic cancer in 2009 i yeah. mean probably the longest living pancreatic cancer patient yeah. you know in the history yeah but was hanging on just on the hope that she could get to the next president yeah it's um so it, that's interesting so there's only been two female justices is that true sandra day o'connor was number one and ruth Ginsburg. Well, it can't be the oh, case. Now so, there's so, 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 Sotomayor. Right. Sotomayor, yeah. Uh, but the interesting thing but about- was she the second appointed? The, uh, yes. I, I yeah, yes. Was she, yes. And Reagan was the first uh, yes. female justice. Yeah, yes. So- so Another it, one in the Republican column. Yes, that's right. <laughs> right? Yes. And, and, but the question, you know, you can pack the court. I mean, when, when Roosevelt did that in 38, threatened to do that, now, maybe, you know, obviously things are different in 2020 than they were in 1938, but he lost. The country really reacted poorly against it, and he, they lost. The Democrats lost a ton of congressional seats in 38. 38 became one of these years like uh, 1994 and 2010, where there was just this real reversal in the U.S. House over the, over this one, over this issue. Well, and I think that's what the Democrats would be afraid of, Yeah, is that 
this is the nuclear option. I mean, this is, it's, you know, it's, it's, you're bordering on sort of overthrowing the yeah. government kind of thing. You're it's, setting precedent that you can't walk back from. Yeah. Yeah. The genie's out of the bottle. There's yep. all kinds of analogies that you use here, right? It's getting rid of the filibuster. It's mm-hmm. fundamentally altering the way we run the United States. It's getting rid of the electoral college. Now, they're trying to do that, right? Mm-hmm. The Democrats are currently trying to do that. And we're going to have some sort of constitutional kerfluffle, whatever it's going to be, at some point in time when enough states approve this pact where the the way it works, Oregon's already approved it, is that when we vote, in fact, I think it'll be in place this year, yeah. where we vote, our electors will be selected by the result of the national popular mm-hmm. vote, mm-hmm. not by the vote of the people here in Oregon. I don't think people in Oregon understand yeah, that. That's, yeah, that's no. right. That's not it's, smart. It's all for just Oregon. it's all just sour grapes over losing to Trump it, and and, and um, winning the it is the but popular. Th- but this is people don't understand our seven electors who go to the the uh, electoral college are not going to be selected by the citizens of Oregon in this election. Yeah. They're going to be selected by the result of the national popular vote. Well, and if I told somebody that on the street, they would go, oh, Alan, that's crazy. That's not true. Well, it only goes into effect if enough peop- if enough states sign it. So as of today, it's, it's still elected by the people of Oregon. I think he's right. Is that the way it works? Yeah. yeah it's only if they get enough to, to be a majority where- Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yep. where it goes into effect. So, so uh, another point about this election is that- um, I, I have a friend of mine, a general contractor working on my house, and he burst into my house yesterday morning and he told me at 7.15 that, you know, the, there are a lot of secret Trump voters out there. And every Republican <laughs> yeah, I know are. believes there are a lot of t- secret Trump voters out there. So I pulled out the Wall Street Journal lead editorial and it said there are not, there is no evidence that there are a lot of secret Trump voters. And I have, and I've told this to a couple of conservatives in the last day and they're like, when did, why are you reading that left-wing newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a couple of friends who have told me, and they were, they're liberals, interestingly enough, and they said, don't tell anybody this, but my wife is going to vote for Trump. I said, what? <laughs> they said, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do, but she's so mad. She's so spun up about all this stuff, and Trump's the only guy that's stood up and said stuff, and he's going to get stuff done, and she doesn't like the way he conducts himself, but boy, oh boy, she sure likes the way he's handling policies and, and standing up to China, and she's going to vote for Trump. James, do you think there are secret Trump voters? And we'll find that out. After the break, this is Ali and Pacero. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and the historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Ali and Pissero. This is our last segment this week, right, yes, Jim? That's right. And uh, James Ball, <laughs> tell us about so. those secret Trump voters. So I, I, I honestly don't know because anecdotally, I mean, there are they're secret, Jim. <laughs> right. Well, you would, you wouldn't <laughs> no. know they're secret. Well, that's even, the whole point, Jim. You and I talked about this yes. on our drive down to to the thing a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the, the fundraiser for uh, a Secretary of State candidate. Yeah, at a Republican fundraiser for a Republican Secretary of State, yeah. people are afraid to say that they support Trump. Yeah. It's it's not just like a <laughs> <laughs> and yet there's polling and there's interviews and whatnot that basically says no, there there's no secret Trump voter. So I don't know. I I I, I don't know that it matters all that much. I mean, is it going to change policy at all? Is it going to change strategy? We'll, we'll find out in November whether or not there were secret Trump voters. You know, this, this whole thing, I've noticed, I was looking at Facebook last night on Ruth Bader Ginsburg and this kind of thing, and Romney came out and said something very Romney-like, very magnanimous, very gentlemanly, very presidential. You and I who supported Romney back in, the, did. back in the non-populist days. And he gets just 
blistered. Good. I mean, blistered. I'm get out of here, you get bomb. out of here, you little wimp. Go back to. We're gonna <laughs> vote picture, you out. Picture people throwing crap at him. We're gonna vote you out, and then somebody says you live in Texas. It's like, well, we're gonna come to Utah and vote him out. We're <laughs> get rid of that squish Romney. We hate that guy, right? And then I had um, Democratic friends where somebody would say something and. And they're dropping f bombs all over the place. F you, you, you can't, you don't know what you're talking about. The difference to me has been my Democratic friends that are so wound up and say these horrible, horrible things are like folks that I play golf with and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're they're like normal, right? Downtown Portland People. folks until they get on their internet. until they get on the internet. Yeah. The guys that are saying this 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 stuff about Romney, typically, they're not the people that are at Republican Central Committee meetings that I've been with. They're not the the people that helped me on my campaigns. You know, it's not James Ball and and uh, Jim Passero. It's it's people that I don't know. I mean, it's mysterious mm-hmm. people just flopping around on the internet. But but there seems to be this anger. On both sides, but the the funny thing to me is is that my my quote normal democratic friends feel empowered to to express themselves that way in ways that i never I never would do it right, and I consider myself kind of a mainstream republican mm-hmm. well, I think this has to do with social media and the fact that the media has gone so far in the <laughs> anti trump category it's that no it's not just a difference of opinion. Trump is literally the devil. And if you think that he is, you have anything positive to say about him, you are also the devil. And you are all, you are a white supremacist, Nazi, fill in the blank. Climate denier. Climate denier, because you have any single positive thing to say about Donald Trump. And that, that's, and they, they have repeated that over and over and over again to the point where people on the left are just, able to say those kind of things and that's just accepted that's the accepted narrative on the left well along these lines did did you guys see the biden town hall uh i saw bits of it and i I read the transcript okay so i didn't see it preparing for the show i tried to go watch it right it doesn't exist you can't find the the full unedited Biden town hall online. CNN, who ran the town hall, they post edited, soundbited clips with reinforcing information <laughs> about why this is so wonderful. But any of the, it, the yeah. rest of it is not there. You can find a climate debate from 2009. You can find Sierra Club. You can find anything you want out there. I can't find the Biden town hall. And I've been trying to find out what did he say to your point that the media has gotten to the point where they just, they're just a cheerleader for, for the, for the Democrats and especially for Joe Biden. What, what happened there? Do, do you guys know what happened in the town hall? It, reading the transcript, it was just a whole bunch of softball questions. It was, how are you better than Trump? Right. How, how has how has Trump mismanaged the COVID <laughs> epidemic, and how would you do it better? You know, it, that's that was the the substance yeah, of. But there the, must have been something in the way that he answered them that they don't want out there. And I don't think I'm wrapping aluminum foil around my head on this one. Sometimes I do, right? Sometimes I do. <laughs> Reynolds rap is pretty good for those gamma rays, <laughs> but but in this case, I don't think I am. Jimmy, what was your take? Well, he, he, um, I have a couple of friends where I walk in the park with them. Now they're, you know, they're doing these impersonations of Biden about uh, on his deathbed, you know, with a kind of a glazed look on his face about a month before he goes. And, and it, and, and it obviously the media is doing everything they can because the only, the biggest concern besides the defund the police is getting him through these three debates. Although, and then they can have all this power that Lindsey Graham has warned about. And, and, and so that's, that's their biggest concern. It was interesting. I was going over the debate, presidential debate schedule. And what's difficult for Biden is that they've chosen Chris Wallace and the Steve Scully of C-SPAN and they've chosen uh, Susan Page of USA Today. So these are, I, th- I mean, they had to look hard out of the thousands and thousands <laughs> yeah. and thousands of journalists who might actually still perform the job in some kind of fair way. Right. But they found three or four that, you know, I mean, 
it's going to be interesting. Biden is, you know, duck Chris Wallace. And when are they? The 26th? 29th, September 29th. And the other two are late. Like October, the the vice presidential debate is October 7th, I think. But the other two are like October 15th and the 22nd. So they're, you know, Biden's going to have to, I mean, and you add two months more of dementia or six weeks more of dementia. (laughs) He's not demented. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) He's only lost his mind. I mean. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely that those debates are going to be the most watched thing. Um, Is baseball still going on? Yeah. I don't even know. I finally figured out too that the election is between. You know, I, I thought hard and hard and hard about it. Now I realize elections just between the, you know, bec- the mass thing kind of tipped it for me and the people driving along with their cars. Oh, yeah. So the, 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 the elections between the weenies and the cowboys. And, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm a weenie, but well, I'm not really a cowboy either. No, you're not a cowboy. Yeah, but I think I'm more of a wannabe cowboy than a wannabe weenie. So True. that's kind of where I'm leaning. So what about I- you? Cowboy <laughs> or weenie? Uh, third party. That's <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of third cowboy party, or weenie, Alan? Oh, I'm definitely a wannabe cowboy. <laughs> exactly. I'll never be a cowboy. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody can quite be as much of a cowboy as our leader. No. <laughs> I, I, uh, when I was in Pendleton, I bought a cowboy hat, and I told the mayor of Pendleton I was never going to wear this cowboy hat until he told me it was okay. Mm-hmm. Until I, until <laughs> I had. The credentials, I had been out there enough and I understood the issues enough to wear the hat. And then I was going to say, okay, now I can put it on. That wraps up week one of Ali and Pacero. We'll be back next week with our next podcast. And James, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been Ali and Pacero with your hosts, Alan Ali and Jim Pacero. The podcast is produced by James Ball. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to alan at alanalley.com.